Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Logan campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Now let me pray. God, we thank you this morning. Lord, that we can be gathered together on Resurrection Sunday. Lord, on Easter Sunday, to celebrate the fact that You aren't dead. God, that we can can gather together with hope again, that no matter what life throws at us, Lord, that You are alive and You're at work in our lives and through our lives. So Lord, I pray this morning that You might speak through Your Spirit in this place. In Jesus' name. And God, we thank you that Melbourne Storm is back on the winners list again. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And all the people said, amen. All right, good, good, good. Hey, you know, it's not every Sunday where you get to play sermon bingo. And uh, there's probably some parents here, some adults here that wish they could play bingo, but it's just the kids today. Hey, um, I don't know about you, but, but every one of us know what it's like to be disappointed. I remember a bunch of years ago, it was Shadi's birthday. And when we kind of transitioned in our relationship where things were getting a whole lot more serious. And I remember at that point, uh, Shadi doesn't know I'm going to tell this story, but, but uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I remember at that point, I decided, you know what, things are getting serious. So it's time to get serious about buying a half decent present for, for my girlfriend at that point as uh, for her birthday. And so I remember at that point, the pressure was now on. So I remember thinking and planning and strategizing and working out a whole lot of different ways. And okay, what can I get? I can get this. No, I don't know. What does she like? Well, she likes this. And you know, so I spent lots of time and lots of effort and lots of thought trying to buy the best present that I can. Now, have you ever done this? You give a present, and so your excitement level's up here, yeah? You know, you're like, you're so pumped. I'm like, this is the best present ever. Like, this is like epic present. Like, she's going to love it. And she's going to love me all the more because I gave all this thought and effort and time. And, 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 but but my, my expectations and my excitement was up here. But on, on giving the present, whilst my, my excitement was up here, Shadi's, Shadi's excitement was probably somewhere around around about here. And I remember kind of, she was not as excited as I was excited. I remember afterwards going, you know, babe, what's going on? You didn't like the present? He goes, no, I like the present, but not. And eventually I got it out of it. And I said, why don't you like the present? She goes, well, because I was expecting an engagement ring. I was hoping for an engagement ring. <laughs> she didn't get an engagement ring. She did eventually, but just not at that particular that point. You know, and, 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 and I know what you're thinking because it's what I was thinking. You know, we're all thinking, Shadi, it's not about the gifts, but it's about the what? It's about the thought. Says everyone who's ever given a dud present and we use that as an excuse to get, anyway, you know, no, no. so we all know what it's like to be disappointed. But that disappointment pales into insignificant when we look at how Israel must have felt. You see, the whole nation of Israel had been hoping and planning and prophesying towards this Messiah that was going to come, the promise of the Messiah that was going to arrive. And they thought he was going to arrive on a white horse with a big army and all sorts, and he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire and everyone else. And it was going to be a great day for the, for the Jews and not such a great day for everyone else. But they were so excited and so expectant. And to say the least, they were just a little Uh, a little not quite so excited, a little very disappointed 
when they found Jesus. But you see, the disciples were also really disappointed in Jesus because Jesus, they thought, was the Messiah. And they had put all of their Easter eggs in Jesus's basket. And and then Good Friday happened. And all of a sudden, they, they look at Jesus and He's now lifeless, limp, and dead, hanging on a cross. I mean, if you, for the disciples, they were, I'm sure they looked at themselves and they thought, well, what are we now supposed to do? I mean, what an incredible disappointment. I mean, in our head, Jesus went a whole lot different to what we now see. But Good Friday is not the only disappointment. See, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, I mean, I don't know about you, but the person who looks at me in the mirror every single morning has disappointed me more than anyone else. I mean, no one else has lied to me, deceived me, got me angry and frustrated than I have. I mean, I think about how many New Year's resolutions that I've promised myself every single year and never once managed to do any of them. See, you've disappointed you. I've disappointed me. We've said things and we've done things that we said we would never do or say again. And yet we find ourselves in a place where we do them again. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but it's easy to find myself and possibly yourself in this place where you go, you know what, I've disappointed me. And I listen to people around me who go, you know what, I've disappointed them. And it's easy to find myself falling into the trap of thinking that if I've disappointed me and I've disappointed other people, then maybe God's disappointed in me as well. You know, it's easy to get to the, well, well if, I've disappointed, if, if I've disappointed others, then maybe God's disappointed in me too. But this morning, I want to encourage you with this thought. You aren't the only ones that feel that way at times. See, imagine what it must have been like to be the disciples. I mean, when they, when they stood looking up at the cross from the various different vantage points, you know, hiding behind people and crowds or standing there or wherever they found themselves, looking at the Messiah, looking at Jesus who they'd trust and risked it all for, now hanging limp and lifeless and dead on a cross. I mean, imagine that moment where the disciples went, well, well now what? I mean, what, what, what are we supposed to do now? I mean, we'd put all of our hopes in you. We'd walked away from our careers and our families and our friends and our, and our lifestyle and everything, all because Jesus asked us to come and follow Him. And what are we now supposed to do? I mean, what do we do in this moment? And I wonder for them, I wonder if they began to rewind what had happened in the last 24 hours. They began to, it's, it's, on, it's on a sheet of paper. You got that one? Cool. They began to rewind what happened in the last 24 hours. 24 hours ago, they, they sat with Jesus around a table, around a feast, the Last Supper. It's on your little sheets too. They're on it. And they sat around the Lord's Supper. And Jesus in the middle of the meal stands up and he grabs some bread and he breaks it and says, this is a reminder of my body that's going to be broken for you. And then he grabs the, the wine and he says, this is a, rem, a, a representation of my blood, my blood that's going to be spilt for you. And then at the end of dinner, he stands up and you know, all the disciples kind of a little bit, I don't really know what quite Jesus is talking about here, but anyway, and he kind of just hushes the volume in the room and he says, boys, 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 listen up, listen up. I want to tell you this. Tonight, all of you will desert me. And I'm not talking about what we're about to have after the main meal. 
but all of you are going to desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And I can imagine in that moment, the disciples look at each other and they go, God, what are you talking about? Jesus, what are you talking about? I mean, we would never do that to you. I mean, they kind of you know, begin to look around the room. They go, you know what? Daddy Thomas, he's going to do it. Well, and everyone starts pointing fingers at him and going, you know, he will do it, but not me. Peter pipes out and goes, ah, Jesus. I mean, I would never do anything. And Jesus looks at him and goes, three times before the rooster crows, you'll deny me. And then Jesus hushes the volume in the room and again. And he says, boys, lads, listen to me for a second. I love you but I want you to know that you'll abandon me. And I want you to know this. Listen, listen, listen. I want you to know this. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're about to do. I know full well what you are about to do. See, it's not always easy following Jesus, is it? I mean, it's easy on a Sunday morning, you know, Mike and, and Melissa and the team are up the front and they're leading some worship. And you know that moment where in the middle of worship, you've got your hands raised going, God, this is my act of surrender. God, I, I, I need more of you. And we, we begin to worship God and we begin to declare who he is larger than our circumstances. And in that moment, you know, there's that presence of the Holy Spirit. And you know, in that moment, it's easy, really easy to follow Jesus, isn't it? But then 7.15 on a Monday morning happens and you're sitting in your car in the middle of the M1 car park. And then all of a sudden, there is always that car. Maybe it's just me. There's that, little, there's that person who like sneaks in front of you and without indicating just kind of shoves in in front of you. You know, it's not always easy to follow Jesus, is it? Okay, it's just me. That's fine. That's fine. It's just, it's just my personal issue. Appreciate that. It's not always easy following Jesus. When temptations come, when challenges rise, it's not always easy to follow Jesus. And yet, how true, how true are these words that Jesus says to the disciples, and, and I think that he still says to us today. I mean, imagine in that moment, just after Jesus' death, I mean, imagine in that moment where, where the disciples are now thinking through what they'd, what they'd heard Jesus and remember what they heard Jesus do last night. And now they're filled with guilt and remorse and shame. And, and they're saddened at the fact that they had actually abandoned Jesus when he needed them most. I mean, surely in that moment, they would have felt, you know what, I'm sure that Jesus that God is disappointed in me because I am so incredibly disappointed in myself for not standing with Jesus when he needed someone. But friends, I tell you what, I am so glad. I'm so glad that the Bible tells the whole story. See, Jesus knew that the disciples weren't perfect. And FYI, Jesus knows that we're not perfect. And he calls us to follow him, not because we're perfect, but because of the potential that he's placed in each one of us. Jesus calls us not because we're perfect and we've got it all together, but simply because he sees the potential. See, God loves you, not because of your performance, but because of your position as his child. See, we've all messed up. We've all fallen short of God's standards. 
And we've all disappointed our family and our friends and our loved one and our spouses. We've all disappointed ourselves and we've all disappointed God. But the Easter message isn't about a, dis- isn't, isn't a disappointing message. It's not a subliminal hint from God to remind us how disappointed He is with us. But it's a message of hope, of love, of grace. See, the Easter story isn't that God's disappointed in you, but that He loves you. He loves you despite what the disciples were going to do. He loves you despite what you will do. But he organized a payment plan for our sins, for the mistakes and the junk that we've all done. And you know what blows me away? What blows me away is that God knows what we're going to do before we will ever do it. And yet he chose to love me and us anyway. The other day I was having my quiet time and I was having my quiet time and I had one eye on my Bible and I had the other eye on Jude, our littlest boy who's sitting down the front. And I remember sitting there, I'm having my quiet time and and Jude's there and he's trying to sneakily break into the Easter eggs that we kind of put away and he's trying to kind of break in to kind of pinch a few little Easter eggs a little bit early from Easter. And and as a parent, you know the moment when your kids are trying to do something shifty And the more they try and cover it up, the more obvious it is. And so I'm sitting there, I'm kind of one eye on my Bible, one eye on Jude. And the more he's trying to like pretend he's not doing anything, it's more there's like a neon sign above his head going, you know, and and it's in that moment like that Jude couldn't hide what he was really doing. See, Jesus had already told the disciples that they would dump him. Jesus had already told the disciples that they would leave him when he needed him most. And guess what? They did. And they found themselves in a dark place of regret and guilt and shame and despair. And deeply disappointed with themselves because they left Jesus when he needed them most. But then this happens. In Luke chapter 24, it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the, spy, the spices that had prepared and went to the tomb. <clears throat> they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed in gleaming, that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In the fright, the women bowed down their faces to the ground and said to their men, Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how I told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered these words. When they came When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and the others. Peter, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending down, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away wondering what, sorry, wondering to himself what had happened. Quick question. Which disciple ran to the tomb? 
Now, do you remember what Peter had just done just a few hours earlier? But then the story doesn't stop there. It goes on and it continues. Verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood amongst them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do you doubt? Why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I. What I find so interesting is that the people closest to Jesus couldn't remember and missed what was going on. See, up until this point, there were six different occasions where Jesus says to his disciples, all right, boys, this is what's gonna happen. So I'm gonna die, I'll hang on a cross. Three days later, I'll come back alive to prove that I am who I say I am. Cool, cool, cool. All right, boys, test. How am I gonna die on a cross? Tick, straight to the top of class. All right, how many days? Three, four, three. Right, done, yes. And so six different occasions, Jesus reminds them, and yet here they are, and what have they done? They've forgotten. And you know what blows me away and what I love about this is that Jesus doesn't wait for the disciples to believe and come and find him. But Jesus comes in search of the disciples. They're still bewildered and wondering what was going on, full of doubt and racked with guilt. And Jesus comes in search of them. So the Easter story is about a loving God who comes in search for you. See, the truth is that we can't outrun the grace of God. See, Peter denied Jesus three times and the rest of the disciples left him as well. And I don't know about you, but if, if, you, if it was you that rose from the dead and you saw Peter and the disciples again, how would you feel about them? Now, let's be honest, we would be incredibly ticked off, wouldn't we? I mean, you'd see Peter and you'd see the disciples and you'd be like, oh, killing me, boys. You know, like, and you'd be, you know, this, you'd be incredibly ticked off at Peter and the disciples. Wouldn't you be incredibly disappointed in them? But the truth is, we can't outrun the grace of God. But what I love is that the disciples, I love their response, is that I love Peter's response. And it's, not, it's oftentimes not our response. You see, we can let our shame and our guilt hold us back from coming to Jesus. But I, I love Peter's response in verse 12 where it says, and so Peter got up on the news that Jesus had rose from the dead, that he was no longer in the tomb. First thing he did is he gets up and he runs to the tomb. Can I encourage us, church? Let's be people who, who take off the masks. Not now because you're not allowed to, but normally, you know, people who don't let our pride hold us back. People don't let our pride and our masks and our past baggage hold us back from running towards Jesus. See, the truth, as I said, is that we can't outrun the grace of God. See, I remember this moment for me when I was at the lowest of my lowest places and I found the grace of God. I remember in that moment when I found Jesus, that Jesus didn't look at me with disappointment in his eyes according to the life choices that I'd done and the mistakes that I made. But what I did in that moment is I encountered the grace of a living God who deeply and desperately loved someone as broken as I was. 
And I found the grace of God who began to change me. See, Jesus didn't come to start another religion. Jesus didn't come so that we would have to try and find our polishes that we use on our cars and kind of, you know, get them out and try and polish up our lives, trying to clean ourselves up a little bit, make ourselves a little bit more presentable, get ourselves kind of, you know, shined up and a little bit more presentable so that the God might kind of choose to accept and love us. In this moment where we go, you know what, I, if, I, if I just make myself look and sound and a little bit better, then maybe, just maybe, God can love someone like me. See, Jesus didn't come so that we'd have to work harder and try harder and then Jesus would accept us. Jesus didn't come to start a new religion. Jesus came to start a new relationship. You see, in that moment, and I love in that moment, when, when Jesus sees the disciples again, when, it, when he sees the disciples and the penny drops in the disciples' nine and they realize who is standing now amongst them, alive, no longer dead, and Jesus responds with grace. And he says these words, peace be with you. In other words, lads, boys, I told you, I told you that you'd leave me. I told you that you'd doubt. And guess what? You did. But I'm here with my arms open wide. I'm here to embrace you. I'm here with grace towards you. He says, look at my hands, look at my wounds, look at, look at the, the wounds that I, that I took for you, the price that I paid because I so love you. See, this is the good news of Easter, that Jesus isn't waiting for us to get right. He's not waiting for us to get our polishes and, and spruce ourselves up and make sure that we can just be a little bit more presentable so that we might earn the love and acceptance and the grace of God. But he came. And he came with hands open wide. With hands reached out towards us, not in judgment, but in love. Because he so loves. You see, the disciples saw disappointment, but Jesus saw an opportunity for God to show grace. See, today I want to say that you're not here by an accident. See, God, just like God came and found and searched out the disciples, God brought you here this morning. Because he wants to find you. He wants to be found by you. And you know what? What I find so incredible is this. What I find so incredible is that the same man who denied Jesus three times in Peter, the same man who said, I will never deny you, and then does exactly that. The same man who denied Jesus in just a couple of weeks on from this, this passage, when it was time to preach the good news for the first time the good news about Jesus for the first time in public, who does God use to do it? A young broken man by the name of Peter. And Acts records that on that day, 3,000 people came to put their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I love I love the fact that that same man 
The same one who disappointed Jesus, who three times denied Him, was the same one. that Now Jesus could have picked anyone, but He chose Him to remind us that God's not disappointed in you. See, Jesus didn't call Peter because he was perfect. He called Peter because of his potential. He called Peter because of the potential that God has placed inside of him. See, we've got to understand that God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. You've got to understand that God is not disappointed with you somehow. You've got to understand that, that if we're going to hold on to the futures and the promises of what God has got for you, then there's things in our past that we've got to let go of. See, I need you to realize, God wants you to realize this morning that what you did is not who you are. And yet I hear some of you in your minds thinking, but Dave, you don't know me. You don't know how much I've disappointed people that I love with. You, you don't know how much I've disappointed myself. You don't know how much of a disappointment in general I am. And I want to say to you this morning that I get it. <laughs> Believe me, I understand what that's like. But this Easter, God wants to say to you that you're not a disappointment to Jesus. That for many of us, it's time to, it's time to put our polishes down. It's time to stop trying to just work on ourselves and polish things up a little bit. And if that, if I can just do a little bit more, then maybe God might love me a little bit more. But God wants to say to you this morning that He's not disappointed because He loves There's a story told about a little boy. A little boy who built a boat. And this little boy built this boat and he handcrafted and painted and made this, spend so much time and effort building this little boat. And the day came when it was a major voyage for the little boat. And so he attached a string to the front of it and he walked down to, there was a little, a little creek, little river near his house. And so he sent the boat out for his little maiden voyage. He held, held the little string. He came and he sat down on the, on the edge of the river, holding tightly to the little stream because he, he so loved the boat and so painstakingly made the boat. And so he, he's standing there and he's in the, the, the sun, the warmth of the sun was on his body. Enormous big smile on his face as he watched the little boat that he made kind of bobble in the, in the ripples on the, on the, in the water. And he's, he sat back with an incredible sense of pride because he'd made this. He's like, check it out. He's want to show everyone. And all of a sudden, this string got really, really tight because the boat got caught in a little rip. And all of a sudden, to his horror, the string broke. And all of a sudden, he's just holding a limpless, lifeless string. And the boat began to sail down the, the river. And so he jumped to his feet. And he jumped to his feet and he began to run, run as fast as his little legs could take him to try and catch up to the boat, to try and save the boat, to try and catch the boat. And the faster his little, ran, his little legs ran, it was like the boat got faster and faster. And all of a sudden, the little boat disappeared around the corner and out of distance. And the little boy stopped because 
night was beginning to fall and his little heart was broken because he'd spent so much time and effort building this little boat. So he dropped his head and he began to walk home with tears welling up in his eyes because of this boat that he'd made was now gone. Next day, he was on his way home from school and he was walking through the little town and, and he got to a shop and as he was walking past this little shop, out of the corner of his eyes, he saw, he saw something in the window. So he, he came running up to the window and he kind of pressed his hands in his face and mushed his nose up against the window and he, and he peered in and he recognised that his boat was in the window of the shop. So he ran and he burst open the door, flung open the little bell, kind of rang as he as the door flung open. And he ran up to the up to the counter and said, "Sir, sir, sir!" to the to the owner of the shop. And he said, "That's my boat in the window. I made the boat, and it's my boat. Can I have my boat?" And the owner of the shop said, "Look, son, I don't know if it's your boat, but someone came in this morning and sold that boat to me. And if you want that boat, it's going to cost you ten dollars." The little boy said, but no, 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 sir, you don't understand. That's my boat and it's, I made it. Like it's, it's the little initials that are on the side. It's, that's my initials. Like I know we're proving it, but it is just, you got to take my word of this is my boat. And it's $10, son. And the little boy dropped his head again and he left. I haven't said hot cross buns yet. And he left the shop. And he ran home as fast as, maybe fast as his little legs could carry him. And he burst in his house straight up the stairs to his room. His mum's going, how was your day? And he ran straight up to his room and he, and he broke open his piggy bank of all the, the money that he'd been earning, all the, the lawns that had been mowed and the windows that had been cleared. Kids, you've got to do chores around your house. Spirits have got you back. And, uh, and, and, and so he opens up the piggy bank. He begins to count, count all the money. He gets to, and he gets all the money and he he kind of like begins to shovel it into his pocket and then as quickly but also making sure he didn't lose any money he kind of did the awkward shuffle back to back to the shop and he burst in the door the little bell rang again and he walked up to the bench and he said he began to pile all the money out of his pocket on the bench and the owner of the business began to count the money $9.80, $9.90, $10, $15, $20, $25, $30, $40, $50, $60, $70, $80, $90, $100, $200, $300, $400, $500, $600, $700, $800, $1,000, $1,000, $1,000, $1,000, $1,000, $1,000, $1,
And so he went back to buy you and me. Now you're twice mine. First I made you, and now I brought you. See, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates His love. But God demonstrates His love. See, we all know it's easy to say we love someone, yeah? It's even easy to say we love someone, we don't always mean it. But I love the fact that here, God's word to you and to me is this, that God demonstrated, God showed, God showed with skin on. He demonstrated His love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died and this is the Easter story this morning this Easter Sunday Resurrection Sunday will you bring your disappointments to Jesus so will you bring your mistakes your brokenness Will you bring the darkest places of your life to Jesus? The things that no one knows anything about. Will you bring those places to Jesus and let the light of Jesus shine? Will you bring those, those things to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't carry them anymore. I can't do it anymore. And will you let the love of God, who's not disappointed in you, who wants to shed His light and life and love and hope and grace. Because remember, we were twice His. Once made and once brought. And will this Easter, will you hold on to the hope and the forgiveness and the grace and the life and the light of Jesus who so loves you? Let me pray. Dear the Father, God, in these moments that we've gathered together, Lord, we bring to you this morning our brokenness and our mistakes and the shame and the guilt and God, the moments where we feel like we've disappointed ourselves and other people, but God, also the moments where we feel like we've disappointed you. And God, I pray this morning, like, Lord, that through your Spirit, you might minister into our lives. God, that through your Spirit, the light of Jesus might shine brightly. And new life may come and new hopes may come and new dreams may come. God, we thank you this morning that we don't, we, don't, we don't recognize and remember a God who is disappointed in us, but a God who so deeply and desperately and recklessly loves us. Holy Spirit, we invite you to minister 
heal and to bring light and joy and laughter because you are alive. You are not dead. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to get connected with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.